Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvot Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. We are located at the corner of Boulevard and Grove, across from the Art Museum. For more information, you can visit our website at tikvotisrael.com. There, you can support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and contact us with any questions or comments. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. Well, um, oh, by the way, I'm David Haller. I'm the elder and worship leader here. David Wine, who is the associate rabbi here, he and I switched places today. And, and I, I always want to make that clear for anybody who's visitors or hasn't been here for a while that, uh, no, I am, I am not the rabbi here. David is the rabbi. But once in a while, we do switch places. And because David is a very talented musician, in addition to his rabbi duties, so, so once in a while, we take a break and do something different. But, uh, but I wanted to uh, talk to you about worship this morning. Um, a number of years ago, my wife Mary and I, this is when we were living in North Carolina a number of years ago, we came out to a restaurant one day and ran into a local pastor we knew in the parking lot. And as we were talking there, and uh, we just happened to notice that we were standing in front of this brand new shiny Porsche 911 sports car. Now, the pastor had his young teenage son with him, and uh, his son began to mimic bowing down in front of the porch like, porch, like he was worshiping it. Now, you have to understand, the, the boy, was a, he was a godly young man, and he was just trying to be funny and, and kind of tease his dad. And this pastor says, you know, he says, oh, no, here, here we are in this public place, in this parking lot. What will people think if they see my son bowing down to a Porsche, you know? But that little incident just came to mind to me this morning when I was... Uh, preparing for my sermon, which is about worship. The Porsche was something to desire, something to covet. It, resent, it represents power, success, fame, affluence, and it can produce envy. Now, we would never say we worship things, whether it's a car, a house, a piece of jewelry, or some other thing like that. But do we sometimes ever so subtly, without our realizing it, let these things preoccupy our mind and our time? We put value on things, but how much do we value our relationship with our Heavenly Father? And if we do value our relationship with Him, how do we show it? How do we express it? So my talk this morning is on why and how we worship. So first, the why. Why do we worship? Well, first of all, we worship because he commanded it. If you look at Exodus chapter 20, verses 2 through 6, two through six there, I don't know if they can pull up. There we go. In Exodus 20, it says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them, uh much like the Porsche, or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, 
punishing the children for the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, and showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Well, I think that's pretty straightforward, wouldn't you say so? He says as part of his instruction to us, God commands us to worship him. He says, don't be worshiping any idols, whether they be images of Baal or emperors or poor sports cars. In, in those days, I mean, they had distractions too. I mean, you know, maybe they had uh, Egyptian, Egypt's got talent in those days that they were, you know, tended to look at or, you know, you know, Hittite's got talent or uh, Hittite idol, I don't know. But, you know, that, you know, there were influences in their, in their cultures in those days too with the people around them. So, you know, God gave them a commandment. They are to worship him. So, let's say you're having a great day and you say, I'm going to worship him today. I'm going to worship God today. You're happy. You're blessed. You say, I'm going to sing praises. I'm going to thank him and honor him. So, you put on some praise songs on your, in your car as you're driving home from work and you're singing along and, and uh, everything's great. But what if things didn't go so good that day? What if you had an argument with your spouse? What if your car didn't start? What if you got to work and the boss yelled at you for something that you didn't even do? It wasn't even your fault. What if all three things happened in one day? What if, uh, you know, on, on Friday at 5 o'clock, the, uh, the, the contractor says, we can't get the heat working. We need a, there's a part missing, and we're not going to have it until Monday. So, therefore, that's why you all have coats in here today. No. So, but do you pass on worship just because things were not perfect, didn't work out, or you didn't feel like it because things didn't go your way? On the contrary, he commanded it. And, in fact, on days like this, you may need to be worshiping the Lord more than ever. See, he gives us free will and we must activate it ourselves in our own hearts and in our souls. So we worship Hashem because he told us to. Number two, it is our way of giving thanks and acknowledging who he is. I want to look at an exhortation in the book of Chronicles. We can pull up 1 Chronicles 29. Or maybe not. It's, it's, it's a beautiful picture, though. Um, Nice mountain in the background, but that's okay. I'll read it for you. Okay, First Chronicles chapter nine, uh, 29, excuse me, verses 11 through 13. Now, this is King David's praise before all the people because they're getting ready to talk about building the temple. So, he says in verse 11, Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things, and in your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. You see, 
We, we worship to acknowledge who He is. After all, He is our Creator. He is the one who delivered us, the one who saved us. He delivered us out of slavery in Egypt and saved us in eternal life through Yeshua HaMashiach. We acknowledge what He has done for us. We acknowledge Him for His greatness, and we thank Him for all that He has blessed us with. We thank Him for always being there for us. We thank Him for love, for grace, mercy, forgiveness. We give Him all honor and thanksgiving and praise. Likewise, in the incredible words of Psalm 100, Psalm 100, which is titled as a psalm for giving grateful praise, grateful praise. It says, shout for joy to the Lord, O the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are the people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving, and into His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. For the Lord is good, and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. We keep hearing these recurring themes in all these verses that I've just read. Thankfulness, honor, and praise. Thankfulness, honor, and praise. And it's no coincidence because it's, it's building positive habits. Remember when you were taught as a child to say thank you, to show respect for your elders, your grandparents, your teachers, and so forth? When we become adults, we teach that thankfulness, honor, and respect to our children. How much more, then, is it important to teach our children to love, honor, respect, and praise the Lord? Because they will be imitators of you. They love to imitate. I can tell you that right now. When I go see my grandchildren up, I mean, they, they love to mimic what Papa does. But they'll... They'll imitate, they'll mimic both your good habits and your bad habits. So be careful what you do in front of them or say. We need to acknowledge his goodness. And, and acknowledging that we are his, being thankful for the love he has for us. So thirdly, worship is the means by which we invite him into our presence. Think about that. It's the means by which we invite him into our presence. Psalm 22, verse 3 says, God inhabits the praises of his people, Israel. Whenever we come together and worship in like this setting, we become a habitation for his presence. Stated another way, God comes to dwell with his people when his people are worshiping. A beautiful example of this is recorded in 2 Chronicles chapter 5. And this is at the dedication of the temple, of Solomon's temple, now that it has been built at this point. It says, all the Levites who were musicians, Asaph, Heman, Jeduthun, and their sons and relatives, stood on the east side of the altar, dressed in fine linen and playing cymbals, harps, and lyres. They were accompanied by 120 priests sounding trumpets. The trumpeters and musicians joined in unison to give praise and thanks to the Lord. 
Accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments, the singers raised their voices in praise to the Lord and sang, He is good, His love endures forever. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. Can you imagine what it would have been there, to have been there on that day, what it was like? I mean, how exciting when you think about it. I get chills just thinking about it. How awesome and joyful. Through praise and worship, God came to dwell among them. I mean, doesn't your heart just desire to experience that kind of awesome presence of the Lord? I mean, I th- I, that's just a beautiful picture to me. And all those folks, they're, they're, they're singing, they're praising, all the instruments playing. I mean, you talk about one big jam session. It's like, wow. You know? So, it, it, was, it must have been an awesome experience. So, we've talked about three reasons we need to worship him. Number one, he commanded it. Number two, it's our way of giving thanks to him. And number three, it invites him into our presence. So that's why we worship. Now, what about the how? How do we worship? Now, of course, there are all kinds of ideas out there about how we should worship. In fact, at times, this can cause a lot of disagreement amongst followers of Yeshua. The way a worship service is conducted is not the same at every location. You think that there are many different styles and methods of worship in the churches compared to each other? I don't think you'll find any two Messianic Jewish congregations that have the same style and method of worship either. Some are liturgical. Some are more contemporary. Some are longer. Some are shorter. I think we're pretty unique here that we actually have both a liturgy and a contemporary portion to our Shabbat services. So, if someone asks you, is Tikvot Israel, is it traditional liturgy or is it contemporary? I think you can say to them, yes, because it's both. And even a harmonica there, too. So, Here's what I know. Worship involves all aspects of human personality. It's physical, it's emotional, it's intellectual, and it's spiritual. Most people recognize that worship ought to be spiritual from the heart and that there should be some thought put behind it. But there is some uneasiness sometimes when we talk about involving our emotions and physical expressions. The living God has created us, created in us an expression just a response mechanism that expresses joy that when we are happy or elation and shouting over victory, for example. You know, whenever you attend a sporting event, you hear shouts of joy, excitement, cheering, clapping, you know? They're excited. It's similar if you go to a secular concert. You hear people cheering, clapping, it's like, you know, singing along. Even classical music recitals have polite applause, at least, you know. So worship involves physical expressions founded upon biblical guidelines. Among the guidelines or among the physical expressions of worship found in Scripture are kneeling, 
prostrating before the Lord, clapping hands, raising hands, verbalized praise, saying hallelujah, which translated means praise, praise God, singing songs and psalms, dancing before the Lord, bearing witness aloud, saying amen, standing, and even silence. Regardless of how we worship, the Bible teaches us to do everything decently and in order. And to quote from 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 40, it says, literally, let all things be done decently in order. And that's the first thing that we look at. That is, we do not provoke one another or seek to draw attention to ourselves by our manner of worship. We show consideration for our fellow worshipers. I'm reminded of something once uh, that Paul Wilbur, the, uh, the worship leader, once said many years ago. He was commenting on the use of tambourines at a congregation that he appeared at. While he had nothing in particular against tambourines, he described how distracting it was when the people in the congregation were banging on the tambourines while he was leading worship. The main problem was these people were not necessarily in, in rhythm, and it really kind of threw him off tempo when he was trying to play and lead the song. And uh, you'll see when we're up here at the, at the worship team, we, we're wearing in-ear monitors or headphones when we're on the worship team. That's because there is actually a millisecond of delay, the, sound, the way the sound bounces around this room. And... You can get in the habit, of, if, if the folks are clapping, it can actually throw you off slightly. So, but, so that's why we wear the in-ear monitors, but, and please feel free to clap along with the worship music if the Lord leads you, so that's fine. Decent and order wins the day. And remember, do everything in love. Love towards God first and love towards your fellow worshipers. Shaul's letter to the Philippians tells us in chapter 2, we can pull that up, verses 9 through 11, it says, Therefore, God raised him to the highest place and gave him the name above every name, that in honor of the name given Yeshua, every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue will acknowledge that Yeshua the Messiah is Adonai, to the glory of the God, the Father. Our salvation, our redemption is through Yeshua, our Messiah. Messiah gave his life in our place. One day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess him. With honor and glory and praise from every part of our being, physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual, we worship him. Therefore, we are exhorted to present our bodies, our emotions, our spirits, and minds to him in every biblical form of expression that he graciously teaches us. Make worship a daily part of your life. Don't just reserve it for Shabbat morning. Whether it is morning, noon, or night, you can worship him in your prayer life when you drive to work. You can worship him when you're alone or with family and friends. Finally, I'd like to just go to some verses in the book of Revelation. 
because it paints this beautiful picture. Revelations 5, 11 through 13. And it says, Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Everyone and everything was praising Yeshua HaMashiach. I mean, what a, what a beautiful picture that is. I mean, isn't that exciting to think about in, in eternity? It's going to be one giant praise service. It's like, wow, very cool. In summary, God commands us to worship him. It is a command you will find in Exodus all the way through to Revelation. When we worship, we invite God's presence. He literally inhabits our praise. God has shown us in his word that there are many ways to express our worship to him. In whatever way you express your worship to him, just do it decently and in order. And do everything with love and respect towards your fellow worshipers. Shabbat Shalom.